Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm here today to share the good word with everyone. Settlers of Catan destroys friendships. Learn more at Settlers of Catan destroys friendships.edu. <laughs> That's Settlers of Catan destroys friendships.edu. Discover the truth. <laughs> I mean, I'm Alex. And I'm just happy that Alex <laughs> made himself so happy. <laughs> I picture you, Alex, like doing your, like, uh, Alex works from home and just like sitting in your apartment and then just like giggling as you have like his other tab open <laughs> typing out the thing, the joke. <laughs> just a minute, Mr. Moneybags. I'll get back no. to that big meeting. <laughs> now, gotta, gotta, hold on, hold on one second. I gotta type in my phrase for the podcast. <laughs> uh, I was going to say that Alex did spend a solid minute trying to come up with that before the podcast and did not tell us what it was going to be. Uh, while seeming to do some research, I was really curious if you had just bought the domain to Settlers of Catan destroys friendships.edu and then we're going to set up some content there for people to enjoy. But it doesn't you know, appear you have. I, I think I should break down the mechanics of this joke real quick and how I uh, came up with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Is it because... let's, let's, let's... Is it VH1 behind the Catan joke destroys friendships. Also, please, Catan. It's just Catan. Oh, is it? It's not Settlers of? I believe so. Weird. Well, yeah, okay. And the, I love my favorite George Lucas movie is A New Hope. I uh, <laughs> I didn't know. I never played the game. All my friendships are intact. I did type out Settlers of Catan destroys friendships.edu. I did type that whole thing out. And also, my research over here was trying to figure out what the best end tag to that URL would be to make it funniest. I, yeah, I no, did consider answer, .uk. Yeah. <laughs> .uk would be good. Co.uk. I did type it in on my, my web browser, and it brought up a Walmart ad, so I guess. No, that is not what I got. All right. Yeah. I don't know. Is that because you're on Walmart's web browser? I think I am. I'm on the, on the Great Value website. <laughs> So if you're looking at, at, at kind of our episode feed, you might be going, well, it's kind of weird that they're, they're, this is the start to the episode for Shang-Chi and not the start to next week's episode, which is Venom, Let There Be Carnage. But you know what? Tyler's been sick. Yes. Britton and I have been going to the gym. We're, we're freeing wow, our minds gym, while we just go and, and, and work out and stuff. We're just, we're just all sorts opinion. of tired and, and loopy right now. It's fine. I, I feel fine. I went to work today, you know, got some kids some books, told one kid we didn't have the books he wanted, and he walked out without saying thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I did say manners to the back of his mother's head. <laughs> yeah, Wings of Fire. Like, popular how series. dare you? Yeah. How dare you not have this book? I mean, look, Wings of Fire graphic novels, I guess they're popular. Talking dragons, I think. Hey, okay, who I was, doesn't love them. That was going to be my follow-up question. What is this about? Also, yes, I am sick. <clears throat> my my co-host claimed that everything is fine with my voice, but I can hear it rattling in my skull. So, uh, we'll see how I do on this episode. But we've ha Alex, have you ever recorded a, a sick episode of the podcast? Tyler and I, I have a couple of times, and Tyler is now. I think I have before too. But yeah. I'm sure I have. I can't think of a, a specific episode. Sure. It usually sure turns I've... out fine when we do it. Right. So. 
<laughs> but I'm, I'm sure it's just like, oh, like, you know, cough, you know, like a cold or, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which to, which is a, yeah. I don't know, it's fine. But we, we, we are talking about a movie that we all quite enjoy. Tyler, what is that movie? Yeah, we're talking about, oh, geez, what's the full title? <laughs> Shang-Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings? Yeah, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. And The Legend? Colon Legend. And The Legend. Important distinction. Okay. And The Legend. And The Of The. Yeah, this is one of those Marvel movies. Um, you know, they're sweeping the nation. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're kind of what everybody's talking about these days. Yeah, the wild new craze that yep. the kids are into. They really they do. They yeah. want to know they what really the kids are, are talking about. They really are the flavor of the week. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you want to know what your kids are tweeting about, uh, remember that S-C-A-T-T-O-T... TR means Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. <laughs> it's and not a, it's not one. Yeah, and it's not a German dating app. Don't worry <laughs> about <laughs> that. And this <laughs> is the best movie to do that for, because I think it's probably the longest MCU title. Am I missing any? No, it's Captain America the Winter Soldier might be right behind it. Just in terms of letter, just in terms of letter count. If we're talking letters, that's true. There's just a lot of words in that title. Yeah, Shang Chi and Legend of the Yeah, probably. But anyway, yeah, it's a fun movie. Who wants to go first with best and worst well, things? Alex has to say things, right? Oh, that's right, Alex. Oh, and although we have a lot of stuff to do, I forgot how we do the show. <laughs> go on, A Town. What you got? Uh, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, directed by Des. I, I knew I was going to butcher the name. Destin Daniel Cretton. I want to say that correctly. From 2021. It has a 91% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. And a 98% audience score. Hey. That's all right. Yeah. The old DDC. Director of previous Britain and Tyler recommendations. Short Term 12. Great movie. Um, It's a good time. But this movie is very different. This is he. He's been make. He's made like sort of smaller indie dramas. Yeah. Uh, Glass Castle and Just Mercy are the other two big ones. Um, and I believe this is the. And I have to double check this. I probably should. I think he wrote this one, and he had not written one since Short Term Twelve. Oh wow! As a sort of inform- In terms of once he's directed, let me double check. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I think he at least like co-wrote this, but yeah. Um. But like I said, this movie is pretty different, and to explain how different and what the movie is, I guess I'll bring out my, my roommate, Mar. Oh, God. Okay, so the... Oh, God. All right. So the audience... Uh, listeners, you, 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 of course, can't see this, but Mark heard that Tyler was sick, and he's... um. You know that scene in Monsters, Inc. where the guy gets a sock on him, and people have, like, the big hazmat suit things? That's basically mm-hmm. what Mark is doing, and he's got a he's got the KN95 mask over the hazmat suit, which is okay. All right, he's sorry, sorry. He he's got one of those like dry erase boards, and he's writing on. He looks like Amy Adams in that movie. No, not Julian Julia, the other one. Well, can you can you at least do the synop? Can you do the synopsis, Mark? I remember that scene from the Muppets. He's shaking his he's. He's giving me one of those like no way Jose kind right. of right. kind of gestures. He okay, God, this is gonna be my whole weekend. Okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Mark has 
March stomping. He kind of walks like a. He's kind of walking like if um like Big Daddy from Bioshock was trying to get her out a bunch of mud. Sure. Um, <laughs> I, okay, the synopsis. Martial arts master Shang-Chi confronts the past he thought he left behind when he's drawn into the web of the mysterious Ten Rings organization. Not that hard. Don't have to have your helmet off for a while. I don't know if it's called a helmet. Um, okay. Well, sorry, guys. We don't get to hear from Mark this week. He's. It sounds like he's deep pressure washing the house, which I'm not against that. Um, okay, so now who would like to go first with best and worst? I was going to say real quick. Uh, yeah. I was totally wrong. He's co-written all of his movies. Uh, he's actually co-written them all with Andrew Lan- Lanham. Hmm. Uh, and that, well, the only short term 12 is the only one he's like written himself, mm. but um, never mind. So I don't know cool. where I came up with that. Britain was that the entire synopsis? That was pretty short. Yeah. Well, there's not a whole lot of movie in this movie. <laughs> That's untrue. No, no, there's a lot of movie in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll take that segue. Okay. Uh, my, I'll, I'll start with my worst thing just based off of that. Because um, I will go ahead and say, I think I like this movie quite a bit. Uh, I think the biggest stumble it has is the third act overall. Um, and I would say really where that starts, it's, it's kind of two parts. One, we have a pretty long flashback sequence of multiple flashbacks <clears throat> that all connect in. And kind of, like, fill in previous details we already kind of knew, but add in more stuff. Um, And I think that very little of it was necessary at that exact moment. Like, a lot of it could have been worked in earlier, and then there could have been, like, one or two reveal bits later. Uh, Because I think the, the way it works is that it has these long flashbacks, and then, like, they revisit the flashbacks 20 minutes later within the third act. Um. I think it would have worked a lot better if, like, after that that bus fight for to play armchair screenwriter here, um, but uh, I feel like to me the the film makes more sense if like that's after the bus uh, fight where everyone's like, oh my gosh, this was amazing! What a what a crazy fight that we just watched in an MCU movie. They've never had this kind of martial arts action before. Now you can slow it down and let the audience chill for a bit and get some more exposition and learn a bit more about his background. I think they do some of that, but I think you could have done a hard shift, calmed down for a bit, done some flashbacks, then spun back around and, oh my gosh, here's the big uh, fight on the, what do you call it? Scaffolding? Scaffolding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, here's the big scaffolding fight. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. So I think that those, those maybe it's multiple parts of this, maybe it's just the structure overall, but to me, those getting those two fights out of the way so quickly, back to back, is... Uh, giving us too much of what mm-hmm. we want too quickly. Yeah. Cause then we're like, we want the rest of the movie to have nothing but this. Yeah. And the rest of the movie has other good stuff, but that in particular, both of those fights are awesome. Uh, and so to me, I feel like you've got to spread that out a bit more. Um, and I think that would be a good way to do it. There's probably other ways. There's probably reasons they didn't do it that way, but that would be my, thoughts on how to avoid what I think is ultimately, I mean, the main problem is the third act does really slow down a lot when they get to Talo. Yes. Yes. Um, it, it's not even like the third act. It's like the second half of the movie. A little bit. I remember yeah. that when they get there, they, they make it all the way through the, the magical forest. And I was like, there's still like an hour left. Oh really? Yeah, I, I didn't yeah, actually I thought, Yeah. I was surprised at how 
early in the movie that was on the three watch. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And that and that is what I mean is that like I was rolling with it pretty well up to then, and then uh, it does slow down quite a bit. So, and I think especially when you know what the flashbacks like on a rewatch when you know what the flashbacks indicate um mm-hmm. then because we've all seen this before this is our second watch right didn't we see this together yeah like, yes going crazy yes um it all blends together a lot of movies came out in the past few months <laughs> um they uh the flashbacks really i think don't aren't as rewarding on a rewatch where they are because you're like I know that there's more information here that they're just going to get back around to, and it, it's it's all kind of congealed in that uh, big, kind of messy ending. Um, so I think that's part of it. My other problem is that I feel like it's too big for an intro movie for this character. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really cool. I think that everything with the Great Protector and the Dweller Beyond Darkness, or whichever mm-hmm. whatever the name is... Um, that's a really cool fight. There's some really cool stuff with Shang-Chi fighting his father. Um, there's a there's a great duel between them with the rings where he's kind of taking control of the rings from his father and, and using them in the same way his mother used them when his father first confronted Like, that's great stuff. We'll get into it. But uh, I think after that point, it, it really... It, there's so many twists and turns in that third act of... All right, here's a new thing. Here's a new thing. Here's a new thing. Like the the tide of the battle and who's fighting who and who, and why each person's fighting each other. It's it to me it's it was too much for one movie. And I think maybe some of that is we have a lot of ideas here. We don't know necessarily if we'll get a sequel depending on whether the movie is successful and if people like it. So, we want to make sure that we get all these ideas out in one go and, you know, fully est- establish this character so they can use them in future movies. Maybe that's part of the problem. I don't know. Um but I think, it, really, I'm thinking about, again, the very cool, very well done shot of Shang-Chi flying down from the heavens to blast the Dweller in Darkness apart with yeah. the rings is is crazy and fun. But it's like, we we weren't here like yeah. 30 minutes ago. We weren't at this <laughs> intensity level and emotional level yet. Um, and I think it just it just spins up too quickly to really successfully land that as an impactful moment beyond it being a really cool visual. So I don't know. I think I feel like this one could have stayed more grounded and had it just be the fight between him and his father at the end of the movie. And then maybe you, you do a sequel and his father escapes and gets to Talo. And now we get to see Talo and, and dive into all that stuff. But that would be my, maybe that maybe some of that's my own preference. Um, but I feel like I'm normally won over by big old monster battles. So if I'm saying this, I feel like I'm. If I'm the one who's saying, "Oh, you you better you better hold off on those giant monsters a little longer, so that I can really enjoy what you're doing," then it's a good sign that you're doing something really good with yeah. the rest of the movie. Sure. It just means I, I think that it it crashes too quickly into all this crazy extra stuff at the end. So yeah. Yeah, I didn't. Um, <clears throat> I I agree, but to to a lesser degree, but I do agree. I um. The thing I just kept thinking of when I watched it is what I said earlier is that there's a lot of movie in this movie. There's a lot of locations, a lot of plot, mm-hmm. a lot of things happen. But the thing I was impressed by is how it doesn't actually feel overstuffed. It does feel very grand and it does feel maybe maybe bigger than it should be. Yeah. But there wasn't a point. I don't know. I felt like I was constantly with the movie and was like, 
Yeah, that was enough time to spend there, and now we're in this new place. Yeah, we spent enough time there, and now we're in this new place. Um, that I was I was pretty on on uh, on rhythm with it. Um, I and I just wonder if, like you said, it was one of those things where they like they said we don't know if we're gonna get to keep doing this because it, it this character doesn't have the safety of like an Iron Man or a Spider Man. Yep. Even so, let, yeah, I was gonna say even comics wise, there's sure. not a ton of lauded oh my gosh you have to read this shang chi comic sure um, sure there i think there's been some recent stuff people have really enjoyed um and i know they're trying to make him a more prominent character in what's going on in the comics but uh yeah there, there's not a ton that people are like oh my gosh i gotta see this character beyond the fact that obviously it's uh more like asian asian american heroes being represented right so yeah so i i guess i can borrow that for a, a worse thing because I don't really have a worse thing for this movie. Um, not like a prevailing. I mean, I feel like I thought of something, and if and then I must have forgotten it. Um, my best thing I is have, I have not done a best thing, sir. Oh, I'm so sorry. Continue then, please. You're Just sick, but I'm rude, which is a human <laughs> illness, an illness of the soul. I mean, so is being sick. Okay, but definitely an illness that affects humans. I will stop talking. <laughs> um. Now I have to pause and figure out my best thing. <laughs> I should have just let you go. No one would have questioned it. Would have moved on. Alex probably would have questioned it. Um, he sees all. He gave a shrug. Uh, Settlers I... of Catan ruins friendships.edu or whatever I said before. I need you to be working on buying that while we talk through this movie. Yeah. How do you know I well, haven't okay. already? Well, oh, okay. Now we're talking. Um... <laughs> I think my best thing is just going to be the cast, uh, which is probably stealing a lot from both of y'all. <laughs> you know what? You tried to interrupt me, so this is what you get. Um, I think everyone's really strong. There's, there's some really great draws from continuity that I assume are going to be important ones moving forward, but uh, like important characters moving forward, like Wong and um, Abomination, who's... I don't know that we really hear anything from... Uh, about abominations actor slash voice actor tim roth tim roth tim roth there we go we don't hear him in this movie do we i think There's he like has a, he, maybe a line he well he like it was a great line um <laughs> whatever it was but i think for one you get you get some of that continuity continuity pool and it's fun that we are now far enough into these movies that you can have those polls and be like oh it's that guy um obviously we get the stuff with the mandarin we get uh Ben Kingsley? Mm-hmm. Am I right on yes. that? I don't know yeah. why I was questioning that. I have a sick brain. <clears throat> um, but you get him back, uh, and obviously we dig into that a lot more. Uh, there's a fun bit where it, he does a very good acknowledgement, but not acknowledgement, of why him playing uh, an Asian character was a bad thing. I forget mm-hmm. exactly what the line is, but he's like, which, uh, t- maybe it was a uh misstep or something like that right <laughs> um right. It, it, it's very good and we can talk about him he has a lot of fun stuff in the movie uh but they yeah they tie that back in uh you got similu similu simulu okay um who is i think for me i i thought he was a great uh kind of maybe not debut i don't know what else he's really been in um, yeah, he he was on that show Kim's Convenience, the Canadians' uh, comedy. Yeah. That uh, people really really like it. Okay, I think he 
done a movie with Mark Wahlberg a while back. I mean, he's say, I think he's been in bits and pieces, but yeah. as far as like, he hasn't had like a big thing. Oh, hey, let's get this guy a starring role. I mean, for one, just the the fights that he yeah. does. I don't know. It, I mean, it seems like he learned a lot for it. Um, or maybe I don't know if he's already trained, but like, yeah, uh, didn't seem to be a lot of like editing around him or anything like that. Like he was, it was very very good whenever he was fighting. In, in those martial arts scenes and in the even the stuff where there's big CGI things going on. Um, then you've got, oh my gosh, I've got to pull up the cast because my brain is just going to decay as I keep trying to remember people. Um, Aquafina. Yes. Her. <laughs> is uh, She's great. I feel like I've had a hard time seeing her in roles where it feels like like this is a very silly role for her but it does have a lot of i don't know it comes across as a more real role in Mm -hmm. some of the no definitely where it's like it's it's not i mean it is comedic but it doesn't it feels pretty grounded i guess yeah um and that's uh i think uh, like i just i really like her in this and i think that she has a great chemistry with simu um, and then, uh, Tony Lung, uh, who I'm sure is Britain's best thing. Um, Britain is nodding. I'm assuming yes. And yeah, he's an incredible villain, uh, and brings, I don't know. I, for one, this is also a movie and we'll, we'll run into this with Eternals too, where I don't have a great feel for how people at large feel about it i think i think generally it seems like it's a good vibe for shang chi but like individual elements like i don't know how people feel about tony lung as the villain and uh how he stacks up to other mcu villains uh i wonder how much just with what's on the page that character would work if it wasn't him like and maybe that was part of the intention was to like write it for him. And I, I don't know how the negotiations worked there, but um, yeah, like I feel like this could easily be a kind of character. He's like, eh, he kind of fades into the background. Um, But the way he acts with the other characters and like, as the father figure to uh, Simu. And then who's uh, uh Meng Zhang. Yeah. Zhang is his sister. Um, They, I think, like the way that he uh works with them and brings that character and that those dynamics to life it's it's really really good um so yeah i just feel like the, the constantly there is someone on screen who's doing something really interesting uh from a acting standpoint uh yeah. was my feel from this and so i just really enjoyed watching a lot of that and i think that the script does do a really good job connecting them and giving them good stuff to work with but a lot of them elevate it um so there's that yeah no, i totally agree my best thing is is also the cast uh just tony lung as i've said on the show before is my favorite male actor i love him very much and i was nervous when he got cast because he i think for a long time never did he this is his first western movie i think it's his first english language movie he is he speaks english but this is his first english language movie. and he and I was kind of like, uh, what does that mean? And I kept telling myself, well, it probably means that he liked the script. He does not need to come over here and do this movie. Um, and he, I had the same thought about, I think that 
I think that his material is good, but he he does so much with it. And there's like parts where he, he, he there's a I can't remember what the scene is because it's a fairly you know wrote pretty familiar villain type line and then afterwards he kind of does like a shrug and he kind of smiles when he says mm-hmm. it and that does so much for that sequence i mean he's aquafina is very funny with funny material that she's given and simu lu is very funny in this i think he is i actually think his comedic timing is better than his dramatic Maybe. side at least in this movie i think not that he's bad in those scenes but like he really comes to life for me when he's getting to be funny or getting to do the action sequences because i think he he already knew martial arts before he that makes or, sense to some degree before he did the movie, um, which we can talk about the fight scenes. But then like Michelle Yeoh, who is Chinese movie royalty to come in and and just burn it down. Like I love her. And she was like posting pictures on Instagram of her and Tony Lung when they would make movies together when they were in their (laughs) twenties, like both just getting started out. And it was like, you back like side to side of them back then and them on the set for Shang-Chi. And I was like, that's amazing. (laughs) Like, because Tony Lung is a massive deal in China. He is like their Robert De Niro. He is this deeply respected actor. And um, to have him come over here and be be well-treated by a movie is is great. At times it feels like... I remember us talking about this when we saw the movie. He He's so good at making Wenwu a human. He You almost forget to see him as a villain. Which I, I think is ultimately a good thing. But it's like... I kind of needed a little more villainy. And I think that's just in the material, not so much in his performance, because he is very, very good, as he always is. Um, but yeah, Aquafina's great. I love Ben Kingsland. He's so funny. I'm a big Aquafina fan anyway. I love her in The Farewell. And it was nice to see her get to be funny, but but not just like, come in here and improv a bunch of wacky stuff. Like, she's a character and a person, and I'm, and I'm glad that there's implications she'll join the, the larger MCU in a, in a bigger way. And yeah, Wong is awesome. And uh, Meng Zhang as Jia Ling is really, really great. And yeah, it's just, I just enjoy all of these people. I think my worst thing is, I don't think I have a worst thing. Yeah, I don't have a worst thing. I think it's great. <laughs> there wasn't like a prevailing element that I was like, but that, but that part. Because a lot of the flashbacks worked for me and flashbacks usually don't work for me. The runtime actually was a lot easier when we saw it in the theater, I remember feeling like it was long. I think it's just because I had been sitting in a theater for two and a half hours with ambient people noise, unable to get up and move. Right. And at home, I could pause it. I could go do other stuff and come back. So the runtime didn't really bother me too much. Um, like I said, I was totally on rhythm with it. So, Alex? My best thing is going to be the scaffolding fight. There you go. I came to this movie for some really awesome martial arts sequences, and that was the best one. If that had been the climax of the movie, I would have been very, very happy. Uh, I think that that scene just... There's a couple of action scenes in this that just blow the water out of basically all Marvel action sequences. And obviously, I have been one of the uh, harsher critics when it comes to that. A lot of the action sequences just turn into big CGI slugfests with no real stakes and everything just kind of looks the same in every movie. This one, particularly with that scaffolding fight, because I like the bus fight in theory. I think it's got a lot of green screen problems and I don't like how crazy it gets. Um, But we'll get to that. The scaffolding fight, just that one take of him trying to rescue Katie as she's, Uh she's starting to fall and he's having to like jump around and hop 
you know, he's, he's having to, to move all over the place. And it's just like a one take as he kind of goes across the building to get to her. I'm like, why, where this creativity in the fight scenes is just sorely missing. And it feels like the director actually had a vision and it wasn't one of those cases. Like we learned about where, you know, a lot of times for the Marvel movies, the previs is like three years ahead of when the movie right. gets released. And sometimes the director hasn't even come on board when they're already planning out action sequences. Um, this one actually felt like, no, I, I bet Crutton had a, had a real kind of feel for, for what to do with this material, at least with regards to that. Even, I was going to say, even in, well, we can, we can talk about the third act. I think even in the finale, a lot of that comes across better. Yeah, than, no, uh, I agree. A lot of the, it seems a lot more playing to a vision than, uh, your, than your Black Widows. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there is a better control, I think, of the camera. Yeah, throughout the the all of the fight scenes, even from the very opening shot of the movie with Tony Long beating up a yes. whole army, like there is a sense of control over how that camera is is operating, and just letting shots breathe. Yeah, be like, no, we're gonna show you the choreography because you're here to see the choreography. Yeah, and when you cast actors who can really do the material, and this, this is I'm not dragging stunt actors, stunt performers at all, but like you don't have to hide anybody's face. You sure. don't have to pretend anything. You're just like, here, Simu, Lou, and Tony Long, and Michelle Yeoh, they're all doing it, so we can just show you them doing it. Yeah. And it's it's really wonderful. Yeah. And I think I still have kind of color saturation issues with this movie in a lot of places. I think it kind of still has that flat, kind of slightly washed out look in most of the movie that a lot of Marvel movies suffer from, just to try and make them all unified. But that starting off with them showing up to the the dark web um fight club uh i i think a lot of that is just lit really well and i don't know if that's just marvel movies look better when they're shot during night scenes i don't know well, but um also the iron fact man that man 2 i mean iron man 2 does look really good <laughs> see britain was right and he remembers <laughs> that movie very well but but like all the neon signs in macau um because obviously the scaffolding fight, like we're overlooking like the rest of the city and we see all these, these interesting um, kind of visuals yeah. in the background as well. I think all of that just kind of ties really, really well together. And I just, I wish Marvel movies were more vibrant, even in the talky scenes. Um, and a lot of times they just aren't. And I find that frustrating, but the scaffolding fight I think is maybe my favorite fight scene in any Marvel movie. I don't know. I'd have to give it some thought. I, I think say it's, <clears throat> it's pretty cool off the top of your head right now top five power rankings let's go Ooh, no i can't do that <laughs> i i will I, this this would go on for half an hour and then i wouldn't be able to make up my mind <laughs> no i was gonna say it would go on for half an hour you'd be like yeah this is my favorite <laughs> um, but i i don't i'm trying to think of even comparable yeah ones i mean, I mean in terms uh, of in terms of just like straight up choreography there is the opening fight in winter soldier between captain america and batrock yeah on the ship that's like the closest i can well, think of in terms of just like oh you just let the camera show the choreography and i was gonna say i do think uh the i would say the end of civil war and like when yeah. it's just the um three of them iron man and, and cap and winter soldier all fighting in a room um and then also the specifically the Tony Thor Cap fighting Thanos bit. Oh yeah. In 
And again, I know the I know coloration wise, you, you don't like that, and that's fair. But like, I think the actual choreography and like what they do with Cap holding the hammer and yeah, yeah, like, that that stuff. echoes back to a lot of that, which is cool. But yeah, I don't yeah, know. I, in terms of the MCU, I don't know what else. No, I was thinking about like my other ones, and I think that the ones I kept thinking about were technically these like big group battle yeah, moments, true. like the final act of Endgame or stuff in Infinity War, Civil which War. I'm like, those are incredible, but they're it's it's it feels unfair. It's not the same thing. Yeah, it would be like saying, well, this you know sword duel in this scene, it's not as good as Helm's Deep. It's like, yeah, but they're not. <laughs> that's completely unfair. Because I do, I do think. I was going to say, yeah, it is unfair because the scaffolding fight is better than all of them. <laughs> well, <laughs> Helm's Deep. Um, no, no, but, I mean Marvel movies. Oh, <laughs> but I think that with, with with this movie, I do think it just in terms of volume, like fight to fight within one movie, I do think it's the best fight scenes. And it, yeah. it's like of all the Marvel movies, this one has the most consistently the best fight scenes that even these small little skirmishes, like when they're run escaping from the 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 compound and the in the truck and the guys in the motorcycles pull up alongside of them that's a very brief scuffle but it looks great and it's interesting yeah. and creative and fun and there's some neat little momentum and then we're back to our thing and i, I did it. feel like oh john wick 3 did that better <laughs> well yeah sure. but i don't think that that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that they did this poorly i i mean mostly in terms of green screen that's that's all i mean by that no, I, sure. I think in terms of camera work and choreography yeah yeah it's definitely uh, it's definitely good I will say that I think I I don't I don't say this to sound like I'm bragging or whatever I'm smart but I having watched like a lot of martial arts movies and Chinese movies there are a lot of times where the visual effects in some of those movies like there's one called Journey to the West that I, I keep thinking about the visual effects are very obviously visual effects and they're very kind of cartoonish and I don't know if it's a budget thing or a style thing or what so in a way when this movie became very clearly green screeny it just kind of fed it better for me where i was like i'm watching a chinese movie that's doing marvel stuff which like that's purely a matter of how i was receiving it so i think it was easier for me to embrace some of that stuff as like almost a stylistic choice even though i think it was just like yeah there's a lot of green screen but for this type of movie and the what the, the movies it was reminding me of i was like yeah yeah this is what these movies do and it's funny to watch these these fight scenes which are wonderful scaffolding and bus fight and all that stuff are great but then to think about how like it's not nothing compared to like Jackie Chan's early Chinese movies. It's not it's not nothing compared to martial arts movies or like Crouching Tiger or something. But it's like, oh, if you think this is something, wait till uh-huh. you go see the like real deal stuff because it it gets insane over there. <laughs> or like um, Ong Bak has this am- has like, amazing fight sequences, and that's not Chinese, but um. The, the 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 point is like go watch international movies there's incredible stuff but yeah i i really enjoy these fight sequences everyone on the listens to the show knows i love a long take and there's so many of them here where it's like we're just gonna hang on it yeah and that's i think the big thing is that the mcu i think winter soldier there's there's a lot of consistent fights that happen that are like things that are set up and they may not necessarily be hand-to-hand but there are cool setups with vehicles and guns and like they're they're doing their own thing there um so that's kind of an exception but so much of the fighting in the mcu is about moments it's about yeah oh here's where cap gets mjolnir and he he smacks thanos oh my goodness um or yeah the the shot of uh falcon or not falcon the shot of cap and winter soldier 
uh, trying to beat up on Iron Man. Like, yeah, that's it. It's there to set up like scenes and be like, oh my gosh, you, you see this visual? Like, here's a giant man. We did that. Oh my lord. Um, this this has like fight scenes. They go on for probably five five to ten minutes, something yeah. like that. Uh, they're extended. You follow what's happening. They progress. There, there's a constant change throughout it. They're, they're really engaging. Um, and I would say that that even applies to the ending, uh, where there's still very clear uh, visual evidence for what's happening through all of these fights, and you, you're very aware of what's happening at every stage and where everyone is. Even yeah. if, again, I think it's too much. I think it kind of does a lot that they could have saved um in terms of the overall pace of the movie i think in terms of the fight scene i really do like that big third act i think it's pretty cool uh and i think that you you can really tell that this is somebody who has a good eye for that and who who is looking for how do i make this really pop and how do i make sure the audience understands the geography of the fight versus like oh there's a big mash of heroes and they're all they're all beat up on each other and yeah. look at what this guy's doing over here okay now look at what this guy's doing over here isn't this crazy so um some of that also i think comes from for a while there it it's it's not until we get to that final fight that people have like powers yeah it's they have equipment like they have a machete arm uh-huh. but or the, and they have a lot of martial arts abilities but they're not like shooting lasers and they don't have super strength or the lightning hammer or anything so it kind of forces every, the the make filmmakers to go. Okay, well, we have to make this really interesting because people will inherently think a laser is interesting. People think a guy with fists is not as interesting. So we have to come up with something inventive and creative. And also, it's just it's cultural tradition um, for filmmakers from that part of the of the world. Um, and yeah, it just it it looks so good. Um, yeah, I like it. I like dragons too circling back uh to the cg real quick because i I just want to address that and then we can move on because i haven't actually done my worst thing either uh Uh the cg um i I understand your perspective britain but i Mm -hmm. think it's it's mostly for me it's a continuing pattern with marvel movies it's 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 something that i continue i'm like you have like a 200 million dollar budget every time you have no excuse for any of your effects to be poor well i'm not that being said Hey, listen, I sent a note home with to their mom from the principal, okay? I'm letting them know. <laughs> Kev, Kevin Feige's mom of like, mm-hmm. did you not get the digital effects up to snuff today? <laughs> principal Alex says you don't do as good a job as Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, let's not address Mr. Nolan or Mr. Snyder over there. Yeah, let's, there's the, They have their own problems to deal with. They, they got they, different assignments. Yeah, they do. They're taking a different curriculum. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the other item, uh, I, I do want to give this movie a little bit of a handicap on this just because, and we discussed this with Black Widow because I think that one has shoddy effects in places yep. as well. COVID. Yep. If yep. everyone's stuck working from home, I think it's a lot harder to, to kind of get a unified vision and to get the effects into just the place that you need them. Yeah. Um, you know, just the coordination effort on on that side of things is just, yeah, it's ridiculous. So and I do want to give them a little bit of leeway there. But at the same time, it's a $200 million movie. Yeah. Maybe make that green screen a little bit better. I, I remember being very concerned when they dropped the first trailer. And during the bus scene, there's that 
you know, the scene where kind of all the guys after initially getting beat up, they, they stand up to, to kind of confront him. And Shang-Chi does his awesome uh, martial arts pose as the bus goes into the tunnel. I still think that shot looks flat out bad. And I'm like, that's a really cool moment where he's he's doing his, his, his like wind up pose. And I think that the effect behind him is just way too mm. distracting. So yeah. genuinely well, didn't notice it. <laughs> yeah, I noticed a little bit of it throughout. Um, and I think for me, again, it's, I think this doesn't look excuse me especially the ending does not look nearly as bad as the ending of black widow well that's Um, the that's the funny thing like i should be complaining about all the dragons fighting each other at the end and like the giant demons all that looks good yeah for me it's just like green screen (laughs) like just driving scenes i was distracted by bad green screen like that's that's such a weird thing because like yeah all the effects stuff at the end looks fantastic everything with the rings moving around and win woo and and shang chi confronting each other all that looks great no complaints. Yeah. And that I really am curious at what point, because Black Widow and Shang-Chi, I think we're theoretically done pretty early on into uh, done filming. Maybe not early on, but like <clears throat> they were getting worked on through a lot of the pandemic. And so I yeah. think that there's probably a lot of like, uh, we, okay, this is really throwing off our workflow. Uh, okay. We have to do this. This got to somewhere where it's passable. Let's move it along. Um, <clears throat> and I think it's really noticeable in Black Widow. I think here a lot, <clears throat> a lot more audiences would kind of pass by it. They wouldn't notice it as much, especially because the big third ending, third ending, the big third act sticks the landing. Um, but I'm really curious how long that goes on for. And like, if that's like a skating thing of now they're just in trouble moving forward because they got behind on these movies and didn't know exactly how to do it. Now they're playing catch up for all these other movies that are coming out that like kind of started development during the pandemic. I don't know. I'll be curious to see as we get along like Eternals. <clears throat> I feel like Eternals looks pretty good. I think I'm the only one of us who's seen that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested I'll to, be see curious how... to see what your thoughts are. I, I can't think of anything that's too, too rough. Yeah. I'd, I'd be so. interested in, in just like the visual aspects of Eternals. Cause obviously Chloe Zhao, but um, like Spider-Man, I also think is a little bit of a mixed bag and the, the mm. uh, effects department will we'll get there, certainly. Um, but like, it's interesting because I don't of the Disney Plus shows I have seen. Yeah. I don't remember the effects being spotty on those. I remember yeah. them actually being really good. Loki and, in particular. Has and I haven't stuff. seen Loki. And that's like yeah. the, the one that really uses its effects budget. So, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, but I'll get into my worst thing because it's not it's not the green screen. Um, my worst thing is going to be the structure of the flashbacks. Um, I found it very distracting, um, particularly on a rewatch. And I took a few notes, just like some like smaller things. It, it's it's a mix of, of just kind of like I just think the flashbacks are not structured correctly, and I, I I think I immediately was like my my sight set on this when we get to the the dark web fight and after uh uh chong chi's sister beats him then we have a, a flashback to the day that chong um is going to kill his mother's killer and he says oh i'll be back in three days and that's supposed to be like a really affecting moment for his sister and that's something that she carries on her that's you know chip on her shoulder 
And then in the very next scene, when her and Aquafina are getting introduced, she says, you know, the last thing my brother said to me was that he would, he would be back in three days. I'm like, don't, don't shoot the flashback. If you're just going to have her say that in the very next scene. Um, I feel like that's, I, I don't think we're, we normally criticize Marvel movies for doing that kind of thing of like double beat, like exposition like that. Like that's, yeah, that seems like a lesser thing. Um, or, or something that lesser movies would do or lesser franchises yeah. would do. Like that seems like a Halloween mistake, you know? Sure. Why that, that's something out it of like, it Hall- is a Halloween mistake. That's, that's something out of Halloween <laughs> they, they two or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were just like several different things I noticed. I feel like I think we learn about the mom dying way too early. And I feel like when we learn about her dying should be when we see her death scene. Um and I kind of feel that most of the flashbacks should be restructured around that. Like I I think the opening of the movie should just start with Shang-Chi in in San Francisco and I having them kind of build up the kind of scope of the world and being like, it's just a guy in San Francisco. Oh, what? He knows martial arts. People are attacking him on a bus. And then we get the exposition about here's who my father is. This is the story my mom told me. And then she, she died. And, but, but the, the movies just, it it does like a super nonlinear, like almost Batman begins type thing where it's just jumping all around the timeline, but it does the whole movie and Batman begins kind of drops that halfway through. I don't know. It's just, it, it seemed very odd to me. And I felt like just the, the weird flow of information was actually affecting emotional moments for me. Um, where I felt like, well, I already knew that happened. This isn't really affecting me. Like I feel like it should, it's not a surprise. Um, and then I, I don't know if this is necessary, but why is there not a flashback of him actually killing his mom's killer? Because that's a reveal of like, remember how I told you I didn't actually kill him? I, I That's the reason I left. No, I lied to you. I actually did. Cut to show us that moment because that's a huge thing that affects the rest of his life. But that's just, I don't know. The, the way that was, that was kind of uh, given to the audience and almost felt like you didn't even need that moment where he's like, because yeah. it doesn't build to anything. It's not like I'm afraid I'm going to kill my father because I'm, I'm an unhinged maniac. Um, they try to do the, you know, it's, it's about balance. It's about taking the best things from both of your parents. And that I really like, I like that being the thrust of his arc and what Shang-Chi is trying to learn. I just don't feel like the flashbacks are built around getting us to that point. That was a long rambling thing. So I apologize. No, I felt the complete opposite. I, I, I usually (laughs) don't like flashbacks in movies because I don't, I don't want to know what I want to know what's happening. I don't want to know what happened. That's not true, but I don't. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, I usually don't go to movies for flashbacks and I don't really care about flashbacks, but I think this one piecing them out over the course of the movie made it easier for me. Cause I, I think it would have been a lot harder for me to get invested if it was like, here's a guy in San Francisco. And then now, right now we're going to stop all the movie that you've been getting invested in to tell you about stuff that happened years ago. Yeah. And that said, I can't know how I'd feel about that movie without watching it. I, I, I think everything you're suggesting could have worked. I don't even know if it would have worked better. Just it would have worked also for sure. me. Because um, for me, I, I felt like the, every flashback felt like it was 
filling in information from previous flashbacks. Like, like I was, it was like a mosaic. Like I was getting pieces of the puzzle all kind of throughout the movie. Um, and I liked that. I gave Tony Long a little more to do. Mm-hmm. And I, as far as them not showing him killing his mom, I, I almost took that as like a less is more kind of a deal. Um, just kind of, we have to imagine this 14 year old murdering someone rather than being presented with it. Um, I also didn't think about it. Um, <laughs> and this was not a movie that I was, I, I didn't, you know, cry. I wasn't like emotionally invested in it, but I also don't feel like the flashbacks were the hindrance to that. I think I just didn't react to it that way. Um, I mostly just find it a really fun martial arts movie that is made by Marvel um, sure. that I can watch for two plus hours. But uh, yeah, the flashbacks just, just didn't, it's not even that I necessarily think you're wrong. It's just like, I, I had the opposite reaction to them. For, for me, the structure worked just fine. And I, I didn't pay as much attention during them, but I kind of liked it. I, I kind of liked how it would, the repetitions felt like musical refrains repeating, not, we don't think you get it, so we're going to insist upon it. Sure. Um, it just kind of worked a little bit. It just worked on me differently. Sure. Yeah, I think um, my problem isn't with any of the scenes themselves. I'll mm-hmm. say that. Because I think particularly the the opening like dance fight between yes. Win Wu and... Uh, Talking about and, visuals. It... I don't... I don't... Uh, I don't know his mom's name. We'll say Shang Chi's mom. Uh, the dance fight between the two of them is is beautiful and lovely, and I love the color in that scene. Um, take notes, Marvel, please just do more vibrant colors in your movies about comic books. Um, that that whole fight is is really wonderful and really different. Um, I, I do like the scene where uh, they get confronted by the guys that have been wronged by Win Wu, and so they yeah. they they're like, we gotta you know, we have to exact revenge somehow. And his mom's telling him, oh, you need to be brave and you need to, to kind of step up for this family and, and, you know, t- you know, tells him to go and hide. And I, I do appreciate that. We don't see her die. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's a good cut. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to see kind of a, an elongated action scene that ends with her, like a slow-mo shot of her getting stabbed in the stomach and we don't see yeah. her getting stabbed. Like, I, I'm just imagining that scene. I'm like, that's that I, I don't need that. Um, so I think all, I I think it's just a matter of editing for me. I think if you, if you re just reshape where scenes are in the film, I think I would like it. Right. Right. When I liked the, uh, the scene talking of of fight scenes where when we take Shang-Chi to watch him get revenge on the iron gang. Yes. Where a lot of that is you're watching Shang-Chi, you're watching the boy and you're seeing reflections and you're hearing and you're kind of seeing in the background what tony lung is is doing and that's effective because you're it kind of stops the scene from being like exciting and cool and instead it focuses on the chaos and the 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 loudness the clamor of it and how scary that is and how scary tony lung is with his constantly rolled up sleeves Mm -hmm. um yeah i like that yeah i do kind of feel and and tyler this is circling back to what you had initially said of like Maybe if the film ha- was more grounded and didn't really get into the all the crazy fantasy stuff, maybe that would have yeah. it would it would have been a, a tighter piece, I guess. Um, I kind of wish that the only fantastical element in the movie were the rings. 
I kind of wish that that was like the one odd thing. I mean, we can still have the Marvel references like the the uh, Wong abomination fight and all that. Yep. But I think in terms of just the what the plot is focusing on, I don't know if we needed we're opening up a giant gateway to like a portal dimension of demons. Right, right. I don't know. There are more coming through, etc. Yeah. And then they kept out. coming through for like half an hour. There were a lot of them. There were a lot of them. Aquafina sang Hotel California, and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I did love all of these small moments. Like the the opening scene where, where uh, you know, Shang-Chi wakes up and he goes to visit her at her apartment um, or her family's apartment. And they're they're giving her a lot of crap just because she hasn't moved on with her life. And they're yeah. talking about how much they like actually being valets at a hotel. Um, all that stuff was just is really nice. And and it's it's really interesting how we don't really have a romance in this movie. It's just kind of <laughs> a friendship between the two of them. And yeah, I like that. Once again, it's different. I liked it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have a great chemistry together. And and it's just fun watching them be pals. So I I'm I'm glad Aquafina is supposedly sticking around for more of these because i i want to see more of that friendship yeah and i like how she she gets a character arc yeah i feel like a lot of side characters in marvel movies just don't get character arcs right totally next time baby (laughs) but yeah (laughs) yeah she's she's wonderful she didn't even get a character arc in that movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah his big hero moment was uh, finding Robert Downey Jr. in the desert. <laughs> that was Hollywood's hero moment. Right. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, uh, I like Ben Kingsley. I haven't seen Iron Man 3 since it came out. I And this is the other thing talking about, like, comparing the fight scenes is that most Marvel movies I've seen once. I saw when they came out and haven't seen them since. Sure. So, like, it's easier for you guys to think of, like, like you mentioned the fight with Bat Rock. Yeah. I have no idea who that is. I don't remember that. I'm sure if I watched Winter Soldier again, I'd go like, oh yeah, sure, I remember this. I remember liking the movie, but I haven't seen it in, since it came out. So there's a lot of these that like, it's harder for me to compare it to other Marvel movies than just like the ones I've recently watched. Sure. Um, I've seen Thor Ragnarok two or three times. Um, but but yeah, I, I so there's there's a good bit of the Ben Kingsley stuff I didn't, I remembered enough to be able to go, okay, cool, I, I, I get it. Um, I thought he was so funny, though. He's such a great actor. He doesn't always get to show that, but I'm glad that he got to in this. Well, I appreciate how this came up with a very eloquent way of, like, handling, like, the PC side of of needing to address the Mandarin's kind of a racist caricature. They come up with a very eloquent way to explain that while also not completely, like, just you know, dumping on Iron Man three and just acting like, Oh, that movie never happened. Right. Um, I like that they embrace street Steve Trevor and he's just, he's there and he hasn't changed. We're not changing his performance. We're not trying to make him more serious or anything. He's still a wild goofball who doesn't know what's happening. Well, it's kind of like how they, they do a nice job, like addressing dark world, but also finding ways to make it meaningful now. (laughs) Like, yeah, Finding the things in that movie they can can pull from, I like that. And I really like I like that we get that first, and it's kind of like, oh, that's all we're gonna hear about Iron Man three because, yeah. uh, Wing Wu, uh, is like, 
oh hey they they said i was a, a an orange they called me the mandarin like what yeah. is that uh and he kind of addresses that a little bit it's like oh that's probably that's that's how we explain the fact that because there was a whole thing where after iron man 3 there was a short which addressed the mandarin getting taken by the real tin rings or not the mandarin but ben kingsley getting yeah, taken yeah. by the real tin rings in prison I think you're missing a key detail there. Scoop is McNary it Scoop? It is, Scoop McNary. is is a member of the Ten Rings in the yeah, MCU. And he's not in here, so I don't know what. Maybe he'll show up as like. I think he is in one of the one shots on Disney Plus. Yeah, that's, 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 that's what that's we're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. look, I'm just saying we have two out of three Halt and Catch Fire uh, <coughs> main characters True. in in this universe. Carrie Bechet, come on down. <laughs> She's great. Um, she could be Sue Storm. No, we need wait, Mac wait. in here. So we have to figure out a way to connect. Who who can Scoot McNary become to connect Ronan, whoever Mackenzie Davis is playing, and Scoot McNary? Because like the obvious thing would be Mackenzie Davis as Captain Marvel, but that's already taken. No, I was going to say Mackenzie Davis is Galactus, and she makes Scoot McNary the <laughs> Silver Surfer. Okay. Toby Huss is the silver surfer. <laughs> yes. Hey, I'm an intergalactic surf man, and I'm made of metal or whatever. Anyway, hell, let's hey, go. Yo, I'm Come here on. to blow up your planet. Uh, you got like two hours? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's have some fun. Hey, I got a cousin. Let's go. He's so great. Yeah. No, I think Mac's got to be... I guess Mac could be Sue Storm. Yeah. Yeah. Scoot could so be Scoot. Uh, the thing. Yeah, he can. Although I feel like that doesn't. Yeah, you can. You can say he uh, worked with a uh, Chinese criminal criminal organization for a while and uh, got clean. Beta Ray Scoot. Beta Ray Scoot. There we go. <laughs> I don't know enough of uh, Marvel heroes. Um, yeah, <laughs> but probably fine. Sure, it'd be fun um, to see Mackenzie Davis. In anything, <laughs> it really would. Uh, watch Station Eleven, the show, which I have not watched more of, even though I, know, I gotta get, I gotta get there. Um, no, I was gonna say though that I like that they address it there, and then in in that conversation about like, oh, the Mandarin, what a silly name, and then we come back, and it's like, oh, he's here, he's yeah. still in, he's still in jail. All right, uh, and then we totally just stare into it and play into that. Uh, with quite a bit of fun but i like that there's there's that little setup that feels like just a, a little tease of okay we're good and then we actually just totally dive into that being like yep this is part of it because iron man 3 i mean i really don't think the mandarin twisted we talked about this on the podcast the mandarin twist itself is not a problem because he's being played by a white dude a white a white british dude and then it's it's funny when it's like oh my gosh this is totally like that would make sense why you would how you would circumvent this kind of racist caricature villain um it's a ruse to trick the u.s government (laughs) yeah pretty much uh it's just the the biggest problem with that is just that you replace him with replace him with aldrich killian another white british dude but he's just like not a he's just like a guy i have powers i guess Tyler, you're missing key details left and right tonight. I don't know what your illness is doing to you. He had a dragon tattoo on his pecs. <laughs> Correct. And he yelled, I am the Mandarin. So I, like, there he is. He's the guy. 
I typed in lesser known Marvel characters, and I think Scoop McNary should play Dupe. He should, actually. Dude, yep, Dupe Scoop. Let's go. T- Tyler, uh-huh. right. do you know who Dupe is? Yeah, Dupe yeah. is... Okay. Dupe is a little green blob who likes to hang out with some of the X-Men, but only if they're obscure enough. <laughs> of course you know who that is. I'm hanging out with Cypher, and that's it. Um, sure. Yeah. I've got a Marvel encyclopedia somewhere. I'm like, I'm never going to use this anymore. I, I'd consider giving it to Tyler, but he'd be like, I, I know everyone in it. I think we should we should play a game and see if you can stump me with random. Ooh, <laughs> that would be a fun game. I will need I will need to track it down, and we can make this a full episode of the podcast. That'd be good. This man has a suit made of iron and has a lot of money. He likes the ladies and doesn't always take things so seriously. Doctor Doom. Yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> that that feckless pay, playboy yeah. dr doom just the most re, the most relaxed dude you know scoot can play <laughs> dr doom <laughs> dr dupe he could he could probably be terrifying as dr doom if they oh if man they right he was scary in quiet place too yeah yeah there you go Same. make a man thing i don't know that'd be good <laughs> i'm like a swamp scoot guy thing. with a proboscis <laughs> hashtag scoot thing I want it. <laughs> halt and catch man thing. Halt and catch scoot thing. Oh man, I gotta get back on that show. That I mean, good. it ended many years ago. I uh, no, I never finished it. Um, <laughs> I also did not. Yeah, good stuff, though. Alex yelled at me for talking about it on the podcast once. So that's why I don't go back. I'm traumatized. What? <laughs> why did you yell at him? I don't know either. I was like, dude, I, I judged, I referenced it a lot, and he like legit got mad at me. It was probably because either one, he was spoiling things, or two, he had said he hadn't finished it, and I got upset because he hadn't finished That's it. That's possible. I don't know. Either one is possible. <laughs> anyway, we're friends now, and everything's fine, and I sleep great <laughs> now. <laughs> Uh, it, you know, it'd be funny if the episode that really tears us apart is Venom. Let there be carnage. Uh, oh no, I think we're gonna be as united as a as a reporter and the symbiote who loves him. We should talk about Venom because I have a theory. Go and this if like if we're already letting me talk about obscure Marvel things, then it's I feel like I should just go whole whole hog into this. Um, yeah, Venom, I'm, he's like a D-list character, right? Correct. Uh, As in, I'm giving that movie a D. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very convinced. I like that joke. <laughs> I am cracking myself up tonight. I'm I sorry. <laughs> I, I'm very convinced that we're going to get Null, who is the god of the symbiotes, but it's with like a K. This is, this is a very recent Marvel villain. Uh, it's, it's K, Null, uh, and not not with like a dash. It's not like Kmart. Like no, uh, and it's not like Kmart. That's what I just said. K no, I didn't hear you. You're <laughs> whispering. Sick. You're whispering with your sick voice. I, I'm very sick, <laughs> and I'm trying to talk about Marvel characters. <laughs> uh, no, I. I apologize. I didn't hear you. <laughs> I. Uh, so Noel is like this this more recent dude, and he's like. Like this big, big mysterious darkness that's been floating around forever, and he like created the first. So he creates the first symbiote, which goes on to be a sword that people use. It's like a big, it's like a wet. It's it's metaphorical. 
Yeah. It's like, it, it can be a sword, but also it's like a symbiote. It's a weapon. And uh, that a is. Symbiote what... in the stone, if you will. Yeah. We'll go with that. <laughs> uh, and that is used by Gore the God Butcher, who is who Christian Bale is playing in Thor Love and Thunder. So that's Whoa. that's dot number one. Uh, and also, uh, Noel uses big, creepy dragon things uh that are black and red and, and white as his like his emissaries to go make things nullified um and i the entire time i was watching this movie in theaters i was like is this is this where we're going with this because that's exactly like the dweller in the darkness i'm pretty sure is a name taken from another marvel monster that just exists somewhere it doesn't really look the same in the comic as far as i could tell um and so I'm very convinced that we're going to get a reveal that it's like, oh, that's just like one of his minions. And then, oh my gosh, he's got armies and he's going through the multiverse and consuming things. Because there's that. Uh, there's a Spider-Man No Way Home spoiler that I won't talk about. Uh, oh, there's also, I guess I should I should update this as we go along because we've got a few MCU movies to knock out here but uh, that references. But also there's something in Internals that makes me think of this. So I don't know. I feel, I don't know if this would actually involve like Venom, which is the character who's who this comes from. Like this this is a more recent Venom series, and then like Noel becomes a big event thing for the the Marvel Comics universe. So I don't know. Put if that happens, uh, you can say you heard it here first as, a, <laughs> as an MCU fan, and if it doesn't, you can pretend you never heard anything. So, I'm looking at him right now. He looks like a crazy drow from from like D and D. I'm real into it. I'm seeing a lot of spooky versions of other characters like yep, Daredevil yep. and Captain America, um, and Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah, so. that's it. Um, what you're saying is it's Mephisto. It might be Mephisto. But yeah. Oh, and the other yeah, thing is cool. the uh, end credits from this is like. The rings are pinging in a mysterious thing from another dimension somewhere. Mm. What's that about? I'm really curious what they're doing with that, for one. Yeah. I, I, I really have no idea. Uh, but maybe it's a no, you know? Do you yeah. think Alan Moore will be available to play Null? <laughs> there are many ways to answer that, and they are all... The, the result is all no. Because <laughs> <laughs> this guy looks awesome. He had his no one and done, and that was called Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Okay, yes. yeah, yeah, man, this all looks super cool. I okay, I don't like that. I said super cool, but no, he looks kind of neat, and I'd be interested to see how he like manifest. Uh, this is very like, I have decided this is my this is my headcanon, and it's gonna be like, oh, it's Galactus. It's gonna be like, well, that's fun too. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they would, because Galactus is better known. I would wonder. I wonder if they would save him, and do like Thanos, then Null, then yeah. Galactus. Tyler, I did. I, I did want to ask just about how the the Ten Rings themselves are portrayed in this, um, because I've never been quite clear on how they work in the comics. Aside from they're like alien rings that yeah. the the comic book Mandarin just kind of stumbles upon. Yeah, they're like actual rings. Yeah, you, there are ten, there is a they're ring not, for each They're not they're not fancy bracelets. <laughs> he can grab nothing, and 
he just shoots things out of them. There's, they're supposed to each have like a corresponding thing. I think a lot of the time it just turns into, I am blasting power out of my hands and boom. Well, uh, I appreciate that they don't go with that angle. Cause we just did the infinity stones. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, you're just, yeah. Like, that's the- very similar. I-, I feel like a lot of people, if they're watching the movie and they're doing that, they'd be like, Oh, is that the next MacGuffin? Is that, yeah. I- is that what we're building to is a big fight over these rings. And this doesn't feel like it's doing that. So, one of the things that uh, we all liked about the movie is that they take almost ten minutes to stop using subtitles. Um, yeah, there's a lot of I don't know if it's Mandarin or Cantonese, but there's a lot of people speaking not in English in this movie, and the movie just is like, nope, you're gonna read the subtitles, or you're not gonna know what's happening. That's it, and I love it. It's great. You know, sometimes, sometimes the, the, those those folks at Marvel they're slow learners, but they do learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was a I was a big fan of that, and I think part of that helped me, like in that opener, like really get into the mode of like I'm essentially watching a Chinese movie right now. That this is yeah. great. <laughs> Let's go. No, I, I was a huge fan of that, and the fact that they were able to utilize the fact that they're speaking different languages within yeah. scenes. It's not just okay. Now it's time to you know we're we're not speaking English anymore. Um, yeah. They find natural ways of like, oh, Katie as a character does not, you know, she she only speaks English. Right. Um. So the fact that, you know, she doesn't really know what other characters are saying half the time is part of the plot. It's and nice it, yeah. when they pay attention to detail yep. like that. <laughs> and it's definitely like, obviously, the cultural element. Um is is very important but yeah i like that they just lean i like they even acknowledge that like hey there are you know asian americans who don't really speak this language because they grew up in america and like yeah i don't know and i like that no one like calls her out on it or something i like it's just like no this is who she is it's why would she know that i don't know it's they handle all that stuff really well and they did karaoke multiple times yeah that was and they did it with Wong Wong in the end important that was great. I, I like that, that, that whole, whole like echo at the end. Both of the after credit scenes I thought were really, really neat. Mm-hmm. I really liked that they were very different and they didn't feel like, oh, this should be the actual end of the movie. It felt like, oh, these are like natural extensions of the yeah. material. Um, and I do really like it's just a really cute ending of the two of them. Wong shows up with the portal and is like, I come with me. And they, they're yeah, both yeah. just like. They're like super trepidatious and they just kind of slowly just walk through the portal and that's the end of the movie. It was yeah. great. It's cute. Well, I like that uh, Brie Larson pops in there. Anyway, anyway, it's nice to see her. And I'm sure there are plot reasons for that, but she's been in his other three movies. Um, and so it's kind of cool yeah. that like, oh, yeah, my buddy's directing a movie. I'll pop it. Like, this is kind of a neat for me. That was a nice little like, oh, Brie and Destin are hanging out again. Like, this yeah. is kind of a neat, a neat thing. Um Obviously, Mark Ruffalo is back to being human, Bruce, not smart Hulk. So I know a lot of people are like, how did that happen? What did, huh? But he's got a cast on his arm. Right, right. So it's like, okay, so they're doing something with continuity there. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I want to see what they do with that. Maybe there'll be a show called <laughs> Problems Related to Me Falling Down the Stairs. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not because of the Infinity Gauntlet. That, that healed when he turned back into... into uh bruce banner it just yeah he, he tripped he's had an oopsie when when he fell everyone outside heard oh the irony it'll be the last episode of she hulk where he'll like break his arm and you'll hear uh-huh. around the around the country people going 
That's where that came from. And then we have a movie about his arm. Yeah. <laughs> to give us the backstory of that. What what is what is the other after credits? Uh it's, it's uh, the her setting a a Jialing setting up a fight club right, right, at right. the compound. Yeah. Taking over the Ten Rings. Yeah, I do I love the fact that it ends with the Ten Rings will return, not Shang-Chi yeah. will return. That's cute. Yeah. That's fun. There, there are some uh, people fighting in that scene, and obviously they're they're training. But some people are wearing masks, and I wasn't sure if that was like a COVID thing that they weren't really addressing, or what the deal was there. I don't know. Or was it like a uniform? I mean, it was like a ninja thing. They were probably just like, eh. Yeah, I, I couldn't really tell if that was like, eh, it kind of works. Guess. Just do it, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. But Ronnie Chang was there. He's still hanging out. He's doing his thing. And uh, the only white man in the movie, <laughs> the uh, blade-armed guy. There are well, fewer this... white people in this movie than there were in Black Panther. I mean, Ben Kingsley, I believe, is multiracial. I don't know for okay. sure, though. Um, but... Yeah, so it's uh, Florian Montanu. Oh, probably, probably I'm butchering that. He's um Drago's son in Creed Two, I believe. Right. You see, made by Sylvester Salon. <laughs> it is me again, Jean Favreau. Can I make the Zasora? Can Creed Three about be about him coming back with uh, a saw arm? No, and he. And he Creed has to figure it out. Just like, oh, well, all right. And gotta, he pokes Michael B. Jordan many times somehow. all over his body, and yes. he gets a bunch of little bumps on it. Yes. It's all connected. <laughs> and then Stallone shoots off into space at the end of the movie. Um, all right, jetpack. I, I, I do like the nice touch of when they do decide to, the Ten Rings kind of... Uh, Joined forces with the people of Talow, yeah. and they there's the nice bit where he cuts off the metal sword on his arm, and he puts on like a, a sword that's made of the dragon mm. scales. Yeah, um, this is like a fun little thing. No, that was cool. I like yeah, that ben, ben Kingsley just like disappears. He's yeah. just like hiding under. I did think it was a little out of place because there's a moment when I think that all the demons are first flying at them yeah. and he's just standing there in the middle of the <laughs> battle. And I'm You're like, right. that makes no sense. He yeah. would not know. Well, but there's he's the, not the smartest man. <laughs> so. He's really not. But there's the wonderful scene where he's, he's playing dead. And uh, what's the name of his, his companion, his fantasy companion? Morris. Morris. Yes. Uh-huh. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Playing dead. You should do the same. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Is that the last time we see him? I think so. I, I, I believe. Point in the... I'm pretty sure we don't actually know what happens to him. He may have died. I think he probably. I'm assuming like this is not even like, oh, funny joke. This is like, I'm guessing this is what the MCU will do is that he just lives in Talo now. And like, we'll revisit that at some point. Yeah. And then it'll be like, oh, my gosh, that's where he went. He puts on performances every Friday. Yeah, like I, I genuinely think that's what they will do. <laughs> he's a that's he's their jester. It'll be cute. Yeah, I can't remember if he was at the the lantern scene funeral deal. Ah, uh, he might have been. I can't remember. If I but either way, he doesn't. Yeah. Also, that scene was a wonderful touch. I like yep. how they actually have 
like con- they show the consequences of the battle and they actually are like no we lost loved ones let's yeah. let's celebrate them most marvel movies well most movies with yeah. any sort of action just don't do that yeah they just yeah. bypass that and go straight to the the happy the happy stuff well and on um on the note of just like the cultural stuff and obviously I, this is not a culture i know very much about but i liked that there wasn't a scene where somebody was like lighting incense or going yes we do this to honor our ancestors this is a chinese tradition it didn't feel sure. like white like, people is, explaining yeah this is just how it is yeah it's like clearly this was made by people of this culture to be like we're just going to present it we're not going to worry about it again like black panther just being made by its own culture and people compare this a lot to black panther for for obvious reasons which are are fair but like i don't want to just I don't want to be like, this is the Asian Black Panther. Because in some ways, yes, but it's also its own movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to just be like, well, you're not white, so you're all the same. Because such is not the case. Well, I think this movie and Black Panther both exemplify that with the MCU, when they're at their best, they're able to take on different genres or like take yeah. the trappings of a superhero movie and become something else. Yeah. Like, starting to verge into that territory, at least. Like, Black Panther is a political thriller for a mm-hmm. sizable chunk of it. And that's really cool. We don't get that a lot with just superhero movies. Yeah. Or you try and get them, and then you get BVS. Um, and then Shang-Chi is just, like, this big martial arts epic. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like, in that sense, it's like nothing else that the MCU has produced. So I, I, I like that, how it's not just we've got to do something for X minority. We have to do something to just check that box. It's, right. you know, it's virtue signaling. They don't approach it that way. It's like, no, 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 we're going to make this one special. Yeah. yeah. And that also helps because again, it's not white people making those movies or directing them and writing them. It's like, no, it's people of that community making it. So like it feels more organic that way. Sure. And then, like you said, they make a distinct movie anyway, that is not just distinct from a skin color perspective. Yeah, it's neat. You get uh, uh, you get Chloe Zhao, and and she makes a good Zack Snyder movie. It's like just, <laughs> and that's we'll essentially a, a family comedy like Snyder by the dozen. Don't come at me. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say, and then you get John Watts, who makes a, another John Watts movie, which uh, is fine. He can go at his own pace. You know, sir. he really, he really He's coming can. along. He's coming along. He's he's getting there. He's getting there. Um, <clears throat> I did have one just like little technical question that I was confused about. I really like the scene where uh, when Wu takes the pendants of his children and puts them onto the the little uh, dragon uh, statue, and it, the the water effect as it swarms around them and they find the map to get to Taolo. I really like that scene. How how do the pendants work with that? Did Win Wu build all that? I was. Because it, like, it's his temple, it's his facility. Yeah. So I was very confused about... Is that not the temple he took over in the opening credits? Am I going crazy? Or is that... Might have been. I, I thought that that temple was like up in the mountains. Isn't the one in the opening credits like on, on just kind of like flat land? Oh, yeah. Like in a desert. Eh. I was Maybe a little confused. Yeah. Thousands of years ago. I mean, no, once again, not not this is not a big deal by any sure, means, sure. and obviously this is purely just an exposition scene, so it's, yeah. Um, but I was just a little bit confused by that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. My assumption is that 
we're supposed to assume he got he took this temple over because of reasons. Sure. Because he's a conqueror. Yeah. Well, we still don't know where the rings came from. So maybe if it's like it came out of a right. meteorite, he like built the other stuff out of a me- the rest of the meteorite. A sure. meteorite, a lunar meteorite. But I think specifically the the thing I'm confused about is that number one, he knows the pendants provide him the location with Tallow, and then number two, that he has something that can actually put that together for him. Yeah, that yeah. that's it. Yeah, so, well, not a big like, deal. IKEA. Yeah, <laughs> it's the IKEA of the magical world. Yeah, he was like, hey, I would like a thing where if it, I have two pendants, it shows me the location <laughs> of Tallow. It doesn't. It doesn't. Like, build- uh, you got to go around and it's back <laughs> in the the green section. I don't know what IKEA looks like. It yeah, doesn't. It doesn't build you a half decent bookshelf, but it will build you a pretty darn good holographic <laughs> map. It'll be very pretty. It'll be very pretty. Anyway, here are your meatballs. <laughs> Would you like to get a gift card while you're at it? All right, we ready to grade this thing? Oh, actually, before we do that, the score is wonderful. Yes, top, yeah, top five MCU good. score. I am so sorry, I, I <sighs> forgot. <clears throat> Who is it that did this? I am not sure. I was. I had looked this up. I was ready for this. I had forgotten. It was Billie Eilish. <laughs> Funny enough, Billie cool. Eilish feat Lil Nas X. Um, from Shang Chi and the Legend. I mean, that would also be good. Don't threaten that. both of us with a good time, Britain. Gonna walk my horse. That's right. This I think. Sad house road <clears throat> and kiss your dad. Oh, he is with uh, a sad horse. This is very good. And I'm sorry to interrupt a good bit. Joel P. West is the composer, and he's worked almost. It looks like almost exclusively with. Uh, Destin Daniel Crichton. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's real good. Yeah, it's a beautiful score. Apparently, he took two full years to make it. Wow. You believe it? I pulled that from a Variety article, I think. Google's fun. Anyways, what are you guys grading? Shang-Chi and the Fellowship of the Rings. Oh. oh. I'm giving it an A. I like this movie a lot. It could end up in my top ten for the year. I don't know. Still, still working on that. Tyler, would you like me to go first? Yeah, I'm gonna give it a B. I liked it quite a bit. Um, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely one of the better Marvel films. But I, I feel like it's still kind of stuck with some of the the weaker trappings that do come with, uh, just being part of the MCU. And like I said, I feel like if you had an alternate edit of the movie that just kind of shuffles some scenes around i think it would be more impactful for me personally but i give it a b uh, i need you to help me more figure out my opinion by being either meaner or nicer scaffolding <laughs> no, fight yeah tony Lang. i'll go i'll go a minus all right good. there we go um I, I didn't want to bring the party down i was trying to push back up <laughs> i was i was between a minus and b plus I, I would say i'm like right there because uh, i think it does have some problems uh it's 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 a bit messy in places but i do think it's just like a great film experience for this franchise and like 
Yeah. I think really showing proof of concept that like this can evolve. There can be more interesting things to do. It doesn't, we don't have to just have as much as I want us to, to have this new big bad, uh, which again, hashtag Noel is coming. MCU. <laughs> tell your friends. Um, as much as I want something like that, I also like, it doesn't all have to be, we're building to the next big thing. Right. We're building to the next Galactus or whatever. We can just have these movies that, uh, can maybe tease some of that, but they can really live in their own world and connect back in fun ways while telling their own story, exactly like comics do. So, uh, big big props. I think this is a strategy that they are starting with. I mean, it goes back to, and I think I've talked about this before, but like it goes back to Black Panther and, and starting to be like, let's look at not just diverse filmmakers, but like real filmmakers. Yeah. <laughs> to say nothing of the Brothers Russo or uh, I don't know. Other other fine, direct, I mean John I mean, Watts, like yeah Favreau, and John Favreau. Uh, well, Alan John Favreau Taylor. is an auteur, but uh, <laughs> Joss Whedon, you know, <laughs> sure. We're 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 missing the mark on what I'm the comparison I'm trying. No, no, no. no. Um, but yeah, no, I think Peyton Reed. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like Scott Derrickson. I enjoyed these movies that they have made. Edgar. Oh wait, not him. Yeah. Exactly. Like we, I enjoy these movies, but I also really want to see now that they've really built this framework of like, this is what you can more or less expect with the Marvel movie. Let's play with that. And let's, let's give this more and more kind of inflection and, and nuance and find really interesting things to do with these. So that maybe in 10 years, it looks completely different and feels a lot more artistically rich. So I don't know. I, I think this is a really good step in the right direction. Agreed. Well, speaking of movies that have subtitles, I have two recommendations uh, this week. Um, one I can do quick is another thing with subtitles on it. I watched Squid Game and I really liked it. Um, I do think Squid Game is some. It's it's kind of become like the cool thing to roll your eyes at because it was so popular. Um, but I, for me, it was a good reminder that like sometimes the things that get really popular do because they work. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah, I really liked it. Um, I, I found it, it, it is very violent, but it's also em- emotionally very rough to get through at points. Um, but there's a lot more going on in it than I thought there would be. There's a lot more plot stuff. Some of that got a little hinky towards the end, which is why I think it's a good thing they're going to get a second season. I don't know what the intention was when Huang Dong-yuk first wrote the thing. If he was like, yeah, I'll leave it open for a second season, but I'll be interested to see how that forms. Um, but the the reason I think to watch it is just that it's just really well made. Like it's so well designed. The production design is beautiful. The score is really wonderful. And the acting is so good. And I have friends who watch a lot of K-dramas and actually recognize some of these actors who I recognized one person in it. Well, no, no one. Um, but like, I didn't know who Lee Jung Jae was and he's terrific. And like, uh, oh Young Su and Jung Ho Yun and Park Hae Su and like all these wonderful actors who I've now gotten to discover through watching the show, the show, um, that I really look forward to seeing them and other other things. Uh, definitely check it out if you were holding out because you were like, I don't know, this is really like it's like kind of like the flavor of the month thing. Give it a shot. I, I kind of reacted to it like I did with Queen's Gambit, where I was like, yeah, I know it's really big, but then I watched Queen's Gambit and went, oh, this is I really like this. I <laughs> think this is done really well. 
Um, it is violent. It is emotional. So like definitely steal yourselves. Definitely, you know, check up before you watch it. But um, everyone knows about the red light, green light thing. It's not that it gets more, I mean, I don't know if it gets more violent than that, but it definitely gets more emotional than that. And the show is really good at building the characters. It's really good at taking people who may not have had a single speaking line for eight episodes or seven episodes. And then suddenly they become very pivotal to an episode and you're like, okay, I'm totally into this. And you've given me enough for me to care, but not so much that I'm like, why are you wasting time on this? Like, I don't know this person. What are you doing? It's really good at that. I mean, the second episode breaks this, the, what I thought would be the structure in a really neat way. So I liked it. Squid game. Check it out. Um, my other recommendation is my current TV obsession. It is on Apple TV Plus, and it is called Helpsters. This is a kid's show um, from the Sesame Workshop. So, you know, I had to check that out. And it is about helpsters who are monsters that help. And it's just these four monsters, Cody, Scatter, Mr. Prim, and Hart. They're, of course, puppets. This is a Sesame... It's not Sesame Street, but it's from that work. And every episode, every 29-minute episode, customers come in and they have a problem and problems are their specialty. And uh, it's always something like Freddy Flyer wants to wants to fly a kite but doesn't know how. Or the Amazing Wayne wants to, or Wayne the, Wayne the Wonderful wants to be a magician but doesn't know a magic trick. Um, this paleontologist uh, doesn't know how to put this dinosaur together. It's always, you know, kind of, not silly, but sort of exaggerated problems. But what the show is about is about teaching kids the importance of like, hey, if there's a problem or something worrying you, break it down, make a plan, break it down to its component parts and work through it. Like it's actually been helpful for me as someone with anxiety to be <laughs> like, oh, right, like let's make a plan. Um, and you guys kind of, it goes through the process really well. I think it's genuinely funny. It's very silly. The puppetry is great. The music will get stuck in your head. But the real, the real hook for me is all of the customers are played by celebrities. Um huh. So it's like Vanessa Bayer and Chris Red from SNL, Jason Jones. <laughs> um, I haven't gotten to their episodes, but I do know that Regina King, Terry Crews, and Danny Trejo show up, which I'm very excited about, okay. all three of them. Um, John Hodgman, who is the, the one that made me watch it, and I love John Hodgman. Um, yeah, just you're con- Rachel Dratch. So you're constantly seeing these, these people come in, and you're like, that's Alan Cumming. Uh, it's like that's crazy these people are in it and like singing and dancing and committing and doing the show with these puppets but also at the end of every episode they do an acapella song with like a random musical artist like ingrid michelson (laughs) or christina perry or yes the lead singer from the national (laughs) which was crazy because i was like sir this is so much happier than anything you write about in your songs but it's really fun if you if you have kids, totally watch it with them because you will enjoy it and you will catch jokes and catch references. And the kid's not going to be amused that Regina King is singing sure. with these puppets, but I will be. But if you don't have a kid, like I don't have a kid, watch it by yourself. It has really just made me feel good. And I haven't been depressed or anything in the last few days, but like it just makes me feel good. And I I think it, it was an important, like after watching Squid Game and all these other dramas, it was like, Oh yeah, I can just watch something that feels nice and it's like 30 minutes of just silly, good, clean fun. Um so I really really love Helpsters. I think it's a great show. Um and that's on Apple TV Plus and Squid Game is doing the Netflix thing. Um and those are my recommendations. Do you guys have anything? Tyler, I assume you recommend, I don't know, Dayquil. Well, maybe. <laughs> uh I do have one 
Uh, did not watch any movies. I did watch a YouTube documentary video. Um, it is by uh, somebody that Alex actually introduced me to. You may have already watched this, Alex. Uh, Dan Olson, uh, who goes by Foldable Human on YouTube. Hmm. Uh, and he does a lot of cool like film stuff and, and various things. Uh, he recently made a video called Line Goes Up that is about NFTs. Oh. Uh, so he actually made a, a very interesting um, flat earth video talking about flat earth conspiracy and like what, where that really came from uh, not too long ago. But this is a two and a half hour video about him breaking down NFTs and like very thoroughly economically, explore, economically, economically exploring why they're not, very good (laughs) it's it's really fascinating like he went into like he he took on a mission of i'm just going to explore all these communities that have sprung up around this phenomenon and like go into the discords and whichever and like just discuss and talk of them and it's it's really fascinating uh it is it is i would say very negative about nfts if that's something anybody listening has a major problem with me saying um but joseph. like joseph yeah joseph i know you're you're uh setting up your uh get rich quick scheme over there yeah with your um, do, do, doja coin or whatever yes yes uh but it, it really breaks down and i think it as somebody who has never been able to wrap my head around like how cryptocurrency works as a concept uh it it does also cover some of that and like flow into tie into all of that and and how like it there are so many challenges with actually making it work as an alternative like underground economic model like it it is incredibly well researched very thorough very detailed um and that's my recommendation i like to recommend a big old youtube video sometimes because i think they're fun uh and they're good kind of things to just have on especially if you've got a good game to play or something Uh, this is a lot of i mean there's some visual material but a lot of it is him just kind of like talking He's got good lighting. He's got a good beard. So it's not, you know, <laughs> if you want to watch him the whole time, you can. But it works just as well just as, like, listening through to him kind of break this down. And it's it's really, really good. And cool. I think contextualizes a lot of stuff that you're probably hearing about right now. So. And you said it's called Line Goes Up? Yes. Cool. I would his, just look up, like, Dan Wilson NFT. Okay. His YouTube channel is called Folding Ideas. Folding Ideas. Yeah. His okay. Twitter is Foldable Human. And uh, if you want to go back, uh, he's got several wonderful videos. He's got the very famous uh, kind of kind of the the d- very uh, definitive review of Suicide Squad, where he just talks yes. about the editing and what a nightmare that is. Um, he did a review about uh, back when Cats came out, just called Cats: An Existential Crisis, <laughs> and it's just if I remember correctly, it's just like footage of him. Not even of him, but it's just like the the drive home with him just narrating his review of cats, <laughs> and it's just like footage of like a dark city as he's driving through it to get home. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. That's awesome. Uh, I also have a couple of recommendations this week. Um, on the uh, the more straightforward movie side of things, I watched The Eyes of Tammy Faye with mm. Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield. Uh, the main reason I watched it was just Andrew Garfield. Um, but it's really, really good. And shocker, uh, televangelists are bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, Michael I, Showalter made that, which I did not realize. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not even sure how much of it is accurate, because you never really know with biopics, but I thought it was just a really interesting character study, if nothing else. And it's it's just really fascinating to watch how uh, people who kind of get to that level of fame that is seemingly based on something righteous, um, they delude themselves and they get into all sorts of... Uh, uh, very questionable things you know while, while claiming to be uh all good and all knowing sure. and yeah it's 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 really fascinating and jessica chastain's face is caked in makeup the entire movie and it's just really weird <laughs> <laughs> um on the other side of things i watched the documentary doomed the untold story of roger corman's the fantastic four Ooh. how is that like a recent thing no, I think it's from like four or five years ago, I think. Um, it's basically about the, uh, I mean, the, the title kind of says it all. It's the failed attempt to make a Fantastic Four movie back in the mid-90s. And basically, uh, the story is that Constantine Films, who I believe has like a producing credit on at least the uh, two Tim Story Fantastic Four movies movies with Jessica Alba and Chris Evans, um they were just trying to keep the rights so they're like we are legally obligated to make a film otherwise we'll lose the film rights to fantastic four let's put like a million dollars into this thing and we'll never release it and it's just like a really sad story because the people making it all they had no idea that the movie never planned to be released and they all like are put their hearts into it they're like you know we're making this on the cheap or whatever but we're we all care about the material and it's a decent script and you know you know a lot of people making the movie actually cared um and i haven't actually seen it i know at this point it hasn't like it hasn't gotten an official release but there's like a vhs like a very rough looking leak that happened at some point um and apparently the story is that Avi Arad is the reason that it never truly saw the light of day. And he is quoted as saying, I bought every copy I could and destroyed them. So. Thanks, Avi. I'll be watching your movie in a week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a really fascinating documentary. They got the director. They got some of the producers and um, Roger Corman's on there as well and all the actors that were a part of it it's just really really fascinating and i really like kind of unmade superhero movie stories like i I, the documentary the death of superman lives what happened is also quite good in that vein um but that's just like a really fascinating like subgenre of like real Mm -hmm. life stories that fascinates me it's just like all the weird attempts to get things made you know you get in you get it into the inner workings of the Hollywood system and just how some stuff just gets chewed up and spat out. Um, yeah. Fascinating. That does sound pretty cool. Where did you watch that? Um, I think it was on Amazon. I'll, I'll need to check on that. Okay. I could be wrong. Well, Tyler, you did it. You made it through the whole podcast. Well, I gotta say before we can officially say that, that you can find us on here come the sequels at blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HTT sequels. You can email us at here come the sequels at gmail.com. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, random other places. Uh, and it's very important that you follow one of those because next week we are talking about Venom 
let there be carnage. Yeah, and I won't try to speed the podcast along and interrupt people like I've done many times this episode. I will let there be a podcast. It's 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 fine. This is, you know, we have to make sacrifices along the way to get to no time to die. That's true. And my penance will be next week. I've been Alex. <laughs> I've been Tyler. I've been Britton. And you're having a good night.